God's Word again, this, this series of 1 John chapter 4, Walking in the Light. How is it that we walk in the light? On this day, Reformation Day, Reformation Sunday I should say, why does it matter that we would celebrate this great festival celebrating something that happened 500 years ago, or almost 500 years ago, for those of us walking in the light today. And it has to do with the fact that the Reformation called us back to God's Word. Calls us back to Jesus. Calls us back to walk not by our light, or our own light of our own making, but the true light of Christ. And after posting his 95 theses on the door in Wittenberg, Luther would, a few years later, in 1521, get called to stand up for this light of which he had now staked his life on. And he did that at the Diet of Worms. And to give you a little glimpse of that, to get us started this morning... We'll take a look at how it was portrayed by Joseph Fiennes just a few years ago. Will you recant or will you not? Since your majesty and your lordships desire a simple reply, I will answer. Unless I am convinced by scripture and by plain reason and not by popes and councils who have so often contradicted themselves, my conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I cannot, and I will not, recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. So what led to that dramatic moment before the emperor and... Pope's Cardinal, is that Martin Luther had had enough of the false teaching of his day. He took a hammer and did what was common in his day and age and posted some notices. His disputation on the power and efficacy of the indulgences, commonly known as his 95 Theses. And then he would get called upon on that day a few years later to either recant Reject or take a stand. At the beginning of that disputation, he wrote this. He said, out of love for the truth and the desire to bring it to light, he writes what follows. Luther was taking a stand not on his own ideas or his own philosophy, but on the Word of God. You heard him say it. 
if not for scripture and plain reason, here I stand. I can do no other. God, help me. Truth was overrun by the powers that be in Luther's day. The question for us then becomes, what overruns truth for us in our day, in our world, our culture? I would bet oftentimes for you and I, it's the God of our own opinion. Luther would have to stand before the emperor fully expecting that sometime, a short time later, he would be killed for what he'd done. His stand was the spark that the Holy Spirit used to reform the church and bring us back to the promise that we hear today in 1 John. Jesus loved us first. Saved us by His sacrificial atoning work on the cross. Last week we heard the astonishing pronouncement in chapter 3 that we are children of God. One pastor, when looking at this text this week, was reminded that as God, as God's children, it is also true that God never has grandchildren. What he means by that was that we, you and I, are called to confess the faith We're just one generation away from walking away from that promise. Jesus' best friend John reminds us here in chapter 4 that in the first century, there were those who were leading God's children astray. And that's where he brings us to in the beginning of the chapter. That we need to test that which is being taught to us. Test the spirits. 1,500 years later, there were those leading God's people astray in Luther's day. And now, 499 years later, there are people still leading us astray. And the test, John tells us, comes fundamentally and centrally about who we confess Jesus is. He wants us to listen to those who are of God, the apostles, is his meaning. And I could list off for us this morning all of those who try to lead us astray. Who lead us astray by their false confession of who Jesus is as both God and man resurrected alive today. There are the Jehovah Witnesses that say, oh, kind of like the Gnostics of John's day, he wasn't actually God, he just kind of seemed like it. Or the Mormons who indirectly kind of adjust Jesus' test by saying that you and I could be like him, we could become equal to him at some point in our spiritual ascension. And then there are even those in our own Lutheran tradition who would say, oh, Jesus is a good idea, but he didn't really historically die for us. He didn't actually historically raise from the dead. You see, there are those who are leading us astray still today. And John wants us to be wary of those false teachers. 
He wants us to remember who Jesus really is. He, he draws us back to the teaching from the beginning, He says. That firm foundation of who Christ is and who the apostles have taught us who He is. Who they've confessed and witnessed to. And so then the real question then begins for us, for you and I, who do we confess He is? Or to answer the question that Jesus asked His own disciples, who do you say that I am? Luther would remind us later when he writes in the small catechism that he is not able to believe or confess by his own power or his own strength. And he gets that understanding right here from the Scriptures as John tells us in verse 4. That the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. John reminds us in his gospel to take heart that he has overcome the world. And now he tells us that we can confess that truth because the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. The Holy Spirit in us gives us the ability to confess, the ability to have faith the ability to claim and to profess that Jesus is Lord. And so as we continue to ask the question, what does it mean to walk in the light? We hear John telling us it means testing the Spirit. Not just believing everything you hear or everything you think. But to test it with the teaching that's come from the beginning. With the faith confessed by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. One commentator says, you know, the apostles' teaching here is of God and all others John is teaching us are spirits of lies and falsity. And it's all marked and identified by how we base our confession of Jesus. You see, not all spirituality is true. Not all spirituality is good. Not just because it's spiritual doesn't make it holy. And just as all charity and love that comes forth in this world doesn't mean it comes from God. And so John turns the page in this letter here in chapter 4 and reminds us again what he did in the previous two chapters that as we confess Jesus as Lord, as we confess the promise of His atoning sacrifice for us, we also have to do it in love. In fact, He uses and mentions the word love 28 times in the remainder of this chapter. So we should get the picture. Something to do about love here, right? But sometimes what we do in our culture is instead of confessing this great truth that John has given us that God is love, we twist it to something else that even the Greek grammar here won't allow, which is love is God. You see, when we, when we twist the truth from God is love to love is God, then we, we make love out to be a philosophy, an idea that we possess that, that somehow we're able to hold on to and do ourselves outside of the person and reality of who Jesus is. Luther didn't stake his life 
on his 95 Theses, his love, his philosophy, or his conscience. He said his conscience was captive to the Word of God. And so the question for me and for you is, what holds your conscience captive? When we make love is God instead of God is love, then we take away the person of who Jesus is. And we confuse the truth. Yes, it's clear 28 times here in this chapter that we are called as the body of Christ to love. And love looks personal. It looks like playing catch with your child or grandchild. It looks like telling truth even when it's hard to a loved one. It looks like washing the dishes for your spouse when you're dog tired. It looks like visiting your lonely neighbor even when you've got stuff to do. It's risking rejection even in telling others about the love that you know is in Christ. But I don't give this list to you as a new law as a new indulgence to pay your way to come to know Jesus, this new command that we've heard about last week in this is a result of the love poured into us by the Holy Spirit. The one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. So if you're feeling guilty that you fall short of that to-do list, then remember our first to do is to receive in repentance this gift of grace. John puts it like this in the chapter. It's not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And the love that we have for our neighbors and for our friends and for all those around us pour out of the love that He pours into us. And so if you're feeling empty or frail, if you're feeling like you don't have another drop of love to share, then remember, it's not your love that you have to muster. It's to first receive that promise of grace. And as He fills you up, I'm guessing, no, I know, God will give you an opportunity to share that with others. You see, our love gets personal because we have a personal God. It's not just an idea. It's Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, who was both God and man. Do you notice here in this chapter how right belief and confession of who Jesus is is linked to righteous love? So we walk in the light of Christ. We do that by repenting by abiding, by loving. These are the tests of love. And yes, we'll fall short. When I was thinking about this sermon, and I was thinking about this great love that God has for us and how we're called to to love, one of my kids interrupted me and uh, I snapped at them. How dare they interrupt my thoughts about love? We are going to fall short. And so we come back again in repentance to God and repentance to one another. And remember, it's God's love. 
that transforms us. And as we receive and abide in Him, yes, we confess the truth, and yes, we love. Hear this promise again. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son to the world so that we might live through Him. And in this love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is how our joy is made complete. This is how we walk in the light. Amen.